This podcast is proudly sponsored by Simmental Australia. The versatility and strength in both maternal and terminal trays should make Simmental's your first choice crossbreeding partner. So isn't it time you took your Simmental advantage? And it's good to uh, get satisfaction to see those young people taking on board with the older generation and listening and taking, getting their experience and, and, and then you see them five years down the track going on and if they're still in the industry and they're achieving what their goals are, it's really, really satisfying for older people, generation like me. Welcome back to another episode celebrating 50 years for the Australian Simmental Association. My next guest is Peter Cook, or as he's more affectionately known, Cookie. Cookie calls the central west of New South Wales home, and today we sit down to find out a little bit more about his journey, from life as a jackaroo, to being a stud owner, showing cattle, and so much more. Cookie shares with us a little bit more about his family business, what the transition was like as he stepped in to take over the family business, and what the next steps are for them. He goes back to his early days with Simmentals. Why did he choose the breed? What are the trends that he's observed over the time? And where does he see the future going? Cookie wraps our chat with a pretty funny story about the Brisbane Broncos and his willingness to change footy teams, as well as his advice and how excited he is to see the next generation coming through the ranks. Enjoy the chat. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Cook. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much for that. It's a pleasure to come here and have a look around and listen to a few people. You'd, uh, would you prefer us to call you Cookie through this? Well, everyone calls me Cookie. We all get a, a, a nickname over in, in the past and if one sticks, it's all good. No, yeah. Cookie, where'd, where'd the nickname come from? Uh, Cook's my surname and probably Cookie Monster. I used to get named <laughs> Monster when I was jackarooing and they called me Cookie after that as well, but... The monster used to come out, but I've grown out of that now. Whereabouts were you jackarooing? I did jackaroo in New South Wales on a on a place. Um, they were running 5,000 cows, and they were mainly principally oh, Hereford-type cattle. back. That was back in 78, 79. And, um, yeah, that was good fun. There were 16 jackaroos and, um, uh, what was this, three overseers, a manager, a group manager, and a cook and groom, and... And mechanics, it was a good, you know, good concern. It was a really big concern. And it was a lot of fun with 16 jackaroos. A lot of them was with um, AMP, which back in those days, they used to own 64% of Stanbragg Pastoral Company yeah. when I worked for them. And then, uh, yeah, I spent some time there. And, and then I went to a Pole Hereford stud after that. Um, Mordival Pole Hereford stud, Mr and Mrs Simpson at Crindai. And then we um, had a great time there. And that's probably where I learned a lot off him. He was a good teacher and... Mentor and about cattle and cropping and actually the industry altogether, and then um, we because uh, we had the home place and then I was going to go to Orange Ag College in those days, but I um, our family we bought another place and I had to come home. I never got to um, go out to uh, to uni or anything like that. I had to come home probably at a young age, but I was very fortunate. But yeah, I missed a lot of good times. Yeah, well, might have made up for them around it too. Or maybe you just got fit them all into that jackarooing type. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, back in those days, well, it was um, yeah, it's a few years ago now. It was be 40, 42 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Do you that feel was... like you, you might have missed something by not going to Orange Ag College? Yeah, probably missed um, the academic sort of side of things. But, yeah, so that wasn't too bad. But, but, yeah, but anyway, that's how it goes. I sort of, you learn the ropes as you go on. and um, Yeah, so that wasn't too bad, but... Yeah, well, would have missed and probably 
few parties and, like I said, the academic side of things would have made me work a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a balance. So whereabouts was home? Where did you grow up? Uh, we got, uh, live in a place called Cooler. It's only a little place at 900 population. Um, Central West New South Wales. It's sort of um, probably an hour and a half north of Dubbo, northeast of Dubbo. You draw a straight line between Tamworth and Dubbo, it's, we're right in the middle. So it's a good sort of cropping and um, good safe area. And um, average rainfall is 24 to 26 inches. And yeah, so uh, that's where I really grew up there. Yeah. And um, cattle, cattle cropping? Yeah, no, it, um, the, the first home place. The um, mum and dad's place was all cattle. Used to run. My father was a really traditional Hereford breeder in those days, like everyone in those days. And, and uh, he used to run about 250 commercial Hereford and pole Hereford cows, put Hereford bulls over them. And then, and then um, we bought another place further up the road and it runs about the same. And then when I came home from Jackarooing early and then we bought um, another block where actually my wife Charmaine and I are living at the moment. So it's a grain cropping and, and beef cattle operation, that one. So we were running probably, when we were all together, we were running about 1,100 breeders. Um, but my father said to me, because he was a diehard Hereford fellow, said that, he said, oh, son, he said, why would you want to start with those funny coloured cattle, the Simmentals? Yeah. I said, oh, well, I said that, I said, oh, yeah, just happened to come across them reading. It was back in those days, the lean beef was coming in. A lot of housewives didn't want that fat on a lot of their, their, their meat they were buying and and it's supposed to be the, the end thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I looked at these cattle and went to a, had a look at a few and, and a couple of dispersal sale came up and uh, we bought a few and just built numbers up from there. And, and my father said to me, he said, oh, you'll never be able to sell any of those. And um, after about five years, he ended up um, buying some Simmendale bulls to put over his Hereford cows and he thought it was the best thing he ever did. Any cheeky comments from you as part of that? <laughs> oh, he was my father. <laughs> yeah, I just when when they sort of say their voice starts to deepen, you know, that's enough. <laughs> one up, one up on him. Yeah, where yeah. where was it that you? Or what was it about the Simmentals that intri- intrigued you? Well, it was just um, we just because we're originally Hereford people, we just think they're big big Herefords with a big bag of milk in the early days, and like I say, they were. Yeah, just good, easy cattle and um, doing cattle, plenty of milk and, um, and just, yeah, and plenty of substance and thickness and, yeah, and, and we were getting paid, you're getting paid on weight um, when you sell them and then we were getting um, probably $100 more for a first cross, Hereford Simmental cross calf, like a steer, at 18 months than uh, pure Hereford back in those days. And so over, over sort of 500 cows or plus, it was... Um, was it a fair bit of more money? So, but I mean, once you start getting into crossbreeding, you've got to um, um, your pastures have got to be right. You've got to be able to look after them and finish them as well. So it's a sort of a more high top end of the business, the crossbreeding. What um, at what stage did you kind of realise that it was a it was a pretty good move? What what started off as a bit of an interest and a bit of a dabble, that it was a, a bloody good call. Well, where would you? Pretty fortunate we actually got onto the right sort of stock to buy to start with. Um, we Then we started, because um, we didn't know how good our, once we had our own cattle coming along, we didn't know really how good they were because everyone says they're always good what they've got at home, but you've got to get them out and about. And So we went down the road, um, we started showing, breaking cattle in and started showing them at just our little local country shows. 
and comparing them to other people's Simmentals and other breeds. And we were just very fortunate enough that we were started to be competitive in the country shows and then that was all right. And then we started selling a few and getting a bit of interest. And then we started exhibiting at um, bigger shows like Royal Shows, you know, Brisbane, Canberra and Sydney. And we were very fortunate enough to um, be very competitive when we started picking up a few major rings, ribbons and awards and, yeah, and it went from there. So. so why is the showing side important or why was it important to you guys back then? Well, it, no one will come at home and look at your cattle. You've got to get them out. It's like your shop window, really, showing cattle. Um, yeah, and you take them out and you're competing against other people. And, um, and if you're fortunate enough to um, do very well with them, it's, uh, it's, it's how you sell your product, really. That's the only way. You won't sell your product at home until you get a name for yourself. And then, because we have an on-farm bull sale at home for quite a, a number of years, and then... Yeah, so people do come home eventually, but you've got to do the hard yards first. You've got to start showing cattle, taking them around, and, and if you do well, your, your name gets a lot better. And then your products, yeah, you can sell your product. And, and is that why it was important to go from the, the local levels through to royals and stuff? Well, I've got two questions on that, yeah. So is, is that why it was important to go from the local level to royals? Yes, because you, as soon as you get into the royals, you get the, that's probably where all your top seed stock are, and that's... Yeah, and that's where the competition is. And, yeah, just to compare your cattle and quality-wise, yeah, you know, I think it's a must, the showing side of thing. I mean, a lot of people are you know, a bit against it because you've got to feed your cattle up and get them fat. But, but I mean, if you feed them right and um, you don't overfeed them and things like that, yeah, that's all right. you just got to do it properly, yes. And do you, do you grow out of your local show after a while when you start to get more recognition, the time it takes? Do you, yeah, is it, was it still something that you'd get involved in? Yeah, local shows, <clears throat> is, um, I think you still should... We don't show anymore now, but if you're um, still showing, I think you still should support your local country shows because, I mean, they, they've got to exist as well. And, and, and there's still a lot of people that won't go to your major shows, like the country commercial, average commercial breeder, cattle breeder. He'll go to a little country show out and he'll see your cattle there, but he won't come down to the, the major shows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you still have to support those. And you still get a lot of mileage out of local shows. In terms of your loves, with your commercial herd, the stud side of things and then the showing, was there one which took priority? Well, because <laughs> of that showing business, you get to meet a lot of people. And you, I was only young. I was only like 19 to 20 and up to 21. So you just just the... the friendliness and the people that you get and you see those people some of those people you might only see twice a year at major shows in Queensland Brisbane or Melbourne and places as that and you just, it's just yeah, it's just good to get out and meet people and talk and then you I always, when I was around the shows I never used to go and get on the grog too much and have a good time but I used to go into all the cattle sheds um, late at night at say half past 10 11 o'clock and I'd just walk around and I'd talk to the exhibitors and try and learn when I was young I just went along there, asked questions. I wasn't saying, I was just asking, why do you think this one's better than that? And so I used to go around to the shows and do a lot of that and also had a bit of bit of good time too now and then. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's the way you can... I said, I'm, I'm a bit modest, I suppose, and things I like to um, ask questions and let them tell me and then you just put put it together in your head and say, yeah, that's, that's a, I'll take that on board. In terms of that asking questions, not specifically about getting takeaways from cattle, 
What what did it teach you? What how did that set you up for kind of the rest of your life? Well, it, it's not only in the cattle industry, but it was just just um, made you mature a lot better. I thought, um, and just your mind's working and you're thinking. And I thought it was um, well, that's that's what worked for me anyway. And I thought I can relate and talk to anybody and just get your people skills going mm. as well. I thought, yeah, I took it on board and I thought, I, I, well, hopefully I think I did all right. People are bloody interesting things, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they <laughs> certainly are. Yeah. You come across some, some really good, yeah, good people and you come across some very interesting people. Yeah, and, and you get people t- starting to share stories and you think, wow, like, that is just worlds away from anything that I've ever lived. It, cert- <laughs> it certainly is. I think there should be more of it. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Tell me, 50 years of, of the Simmental breed, when did you first start breeding them? What, what was the year? We, we bought our first ones in 79. We've been breeding them for, and then we registered in 1980. So we're 42 years now. We've been playing with the Simmentals and we're still there. So we've seen a lot come and go. Um, as a type of cattle, we've sort of, in the show ring, you see a lot of trends. They come out of the, America and Canada and throughout the rest of the world as they go up and down and it's hard to keep up with them. But we, as a beef producer, we, I stuck with the, what we call middle-of-the-road sort of Simmentals or yeah, beef cattle. We didn't go to the extremes because the show ring's got a big influence on what stud breeders want to produce and sometimes it might be in the wrong direction. And, and, uh, but we sort of stuck with the middle. And, um, yeah, so our cattle are sort of sort of soft early maturing, or early maturing middle of the road cattle and we sort of like our cattle to perform off grass and also if you put them in a feedlot situation because of the yield and stuff, we like them, yeah, they get the weight gain there. You're involved in the show, showing side of things, was it 30 odd years? Yes, 30, yeah, we, yeah, we did. It's um, a long time. Phasing out of that, what was the decision behind that? Uh, as I commented before, that was just a, a showcase, I suppose, your cattle and... Um, yeah, just to get them out and about. Um, we have retired. We don't show anymore now because I'm 62 and 30 years of showing. And um, there's a, yeah, well, well it's, some people are still showing it after 50 years. But, but yeah, no, that's, um, you know, I just thought I, but yeah, I got married and had children and had to stay at home. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, and, it, and my son's come home. I've got a daughter, 28, Madison, and uh, son's, Campbell's 24, he's home with, working with us full-time now. But he's, because uh, we do cropping, grain cropping, and um, he's sort of more taken a shine to the cropping side of things than the beef cattle. Likes the, the diesel. Stud cattle, I mean, yeah, he likes, <laughs> likes to burn a bit of diesel. <laughs> Some dinosaur bones. <laughs> what, um, for, for that, like him coming back into the business, that is it, it would have been pretty exciting for you. Oh, I can't do without him. He's been home here for two and a half years now. Yep. Yeah, because I was sort of working my, the place by myself. We do use contractors for harvesting and things like that. And um, when we're busy with stock work, I used to yeah, just put someone on casual. But he's been home for two and a half years and he's settling in and yeah, he's going well. Whether he takes over the place later on, we're not quite sure. We don't we don't like to push our children into anything. So he so can it's good. make the decision. Yeah, no, I give him a – he gets the reins a little bit, so, which is which is good because – my wife tells me, said, you've got to um, ask, you don't tell <laughs> people what to do. Yeah. So I'm sort of learning that way. So, um, yeah, so I just say, what do you think? Yeah. We should be doing something. And, and then if Charmaine and I and my wife go away for a week or somewhere and um, I just said to Cam, you just find your own work. You, need to, you know what needs to be done. So 
and he's settling in pretty well, and he's starting to read the cattle and, and stuff, but um, whether he's interested in the stud cattle at this stage, I'm not quite sure. And in terms of your operation, will it always be mixed enterprise? Yes, yeah, no, we um, commercial cattle, stud cattle. We've actually, we run three studs, actually, all together. And then, um, but the grain, we do grow, um, grain, uh, summer crops are usually sorghum. We have grown um, sunflowers in the past. And then in the winter crops, we grow wheat and we have grown canola and things, yep. Three studs, I thought. One stud was a lot of work. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know why I've got three studs. They're like a licorice all sorts at home. <laughs> yeah. No, it comes the joining time and it just gets a little bit hard, yes. What uh, are those three different studs? Uh, we've got short horns and Angus as well. Okay. Yeah, we got the start at the Angus when my son was in year 10. I said that, well, you don't want to do what your old man's doing later on in life. If, and he was interested in the stud cattle back when he was in year 10. And so we started off with a few cows. I wanted to try and start a base for him. Well, there's, there's not many. There's only 25 cows. But, um, but at this stage, so, yeah, just poke along with those. <laughs> uh, yeah, see what happens. <laughs> just make yourself a little bit busier. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, let's uh, just got to keep the cogs turning over in my head. Simmentales offer the commercial industry a crossbreeding option and no other breed can match. Fast weight gains and superior milking ability are just a couple of the advantages you will gain when Simmental genetics influence your breeding program. Whether you breed them for the Vila market through to the heavy export market, there is a Simmental option out there in the colour of your choice. Isn't it time you took your herd to the next level in performance? Tell me, you, you were talking before about some of the different trends. You are saying staying in the middle of the road, but the the time that the simis have been in Australia, is there a trend which, I'm going to ask you on this a couple of ones, a trend which came in that you thought this is just ridiculous or silly? Yes, well, yeah, there was a trend that went for the bigger, later maturing cattle. Um, and they ran into all sorts of, well, I, speaking off the cuff, they ran into a few problems. Yeah, like uh, cattle that were bad doing when they go out in the paddock and tall cattle and their structure and and uh, they lost milk and the fertility, yeah, with those big late maturing cattle. But they've swung around in the last, probably the last 10 years. The breeds really swung back and then they're, now they're sort of where they should be and they're, and they're going really well, the and, breed. And a trend which has come in that maybe you didn't think was going to take off, which has then really started to cement itself. Is there one of those? Yeah, it was. Yes. Are you willing to share a trend? <laughs> yeah, with, uh, with uh, the cattle that came in years ago. Yeah, a trend that came in at any stage uh, that you thought, oh, I'm not sure about this one, and and yeah. then it turned out that, geez, it's actually not bad. I quite like it. Oh no, I didn't like the trend that came in. That the trend that's coming in now is I, I like a lot. Yep. Yeah, and you've got a lot of um, probably more practical people going overseas and getting genetics and bringing the right type in. And um, CMEX and AI semen com- companies are bringing the right sort of uh, bulls in for semen for use throughout Australia in all breeds. So, yeah, I mean, it's driven by the beef industry as well. And, yeah, that, that big fashionable type that came in, it wasn't so good. It lasted probably 10 years and mm-hmm. it fizzled away naturally, which, is, which was good. It should have been, should never have happened, but anyway. <laughs> and you get it back in those days, a lot of people that were actually judging cattle as well were we're going for the bigger type cattle too, so that's what happens. Yeah, what wins people seem to want to breed, but 
But um, I'm a bit old-fashioned, so that's, um, yeah, I just like to stick with the middle-of-the-road cattle. But, yeah, that, like I said, the, the new trends now are, um, like in the Simmentals, you've got full reds, full blacks, and still the traditionals, the coloured cattle, and they've all got their places. Yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're really good. We're very happy the way the breed's progressing at the moment. There's been a, a fair amount of talk around um, the role of the, the simmies in, in crossbred, crossbreeding. Um, that'd be pretty exciting. Are you on the same page as that? Yes, yeah, no, they're, um, they're certainly in the north, um, Queensland especially, they, uh, the simmies are really starting to get a roll on there. Um, we'll see, up there you've got people that might run anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 cows on the average, and a lot of them are like the Bosinicus type breeds, the Brahmins and the Troutmasters and the Santa type commercial cattle I'm talking about, breeding cattle. And there's a lot of them using Euro bulls to put a bit more, what they call flatbacks. They like to take the hump off them. And, um, yeah, and they get that extra extra money on the year because of the weight. So, the, yeah, the simis are really, really going well up there. And plus other areas too, like South Australia and Victoria in the Angus herds, the black simmental is certainly infused in there because um, you wouldn't use a black simmental over an Angus commercial cow, you wouldn't know there was any simmental in it, so... And then, yeah, and they're still black, so you get that, still get that premium for them, cents per kilo. Yep. So, yeah, no, no, the simis are going really well. And in terms of uh, the people that you have been part of this association for 50-odd years, um, you, you would have made some pretty good mates through here, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good to turn up here at Sydney Show this year and see some people you haven't seen for a while. And, and yeah, there's always people coming and going in all breeds, but, yeah, you know, it's good to have a yarn and, yeah, and, and just to see... And we, what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of um, younger people are getting into the breed now too, which is what any anything industry needs. You need those young young people coming in, and it's really good to see. And they're and they're very keen in the in the, in the industry at the moment. Like farming all around, there's a lot of young people wanting to get into cropping and uh, sheep and cattle, and it's really good enterprise for young people at the moment, which is good for the industry. Is there something about the sh- the showing side that is really important for? The, the younger kids coming through to mix with the older generations? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, um, I've been fortunate enough to judge a lot of um, junior camps and of things like that, and so I, I really enjoy working with younger younger people and explaining and telling and, and asking, telling them sort of what I think of things. And, and it's good to uh, get satisfaction to see those young people taking on board with the older generation and listening and taking, getting their experience and... And then, and then you see them five years down the track going on and if they're still in the industry and they're achieving what their goals are, it's really really satisfying for older people, generation like me. Yeah, no, and, and it certainly seems that this has been maybe the, the springboard for the youth program to really get started and get kicking. For sure, yeah. No, I, t- I take my hats off to anybody that's willing to work with younger people in any industry or in schools, any sport, anything like that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big commitment and it's a, you've got to have... You've got to have a big heart and you've got to be able to connect with young people. And my, I really, well, it's when I was younger, they used to call me the Pied Piper. All the kids, they used to follow me around. So <laughs> that was a, a lot of fun. But, yeah, I really enjoy working with younger, young, anywhere from sort of oh, eight-year-olds, like junior league players. And our daughter and son both played netball and junior, you know, junior league. And you, you sort of go in there with training and, and you help them train and you go to games. Yeah, I really get a buzz out of working with younger people. Yeah, it's really good. Will we see your cookie running around here maybe 
helping out with, with the youth program. Oh, well, I think there's plenty of other people that's probably, yeah, uh, that, there's probably other people that can probably do a better job than me these days. I'm a bit past it now. But yeah, but not, if you ever ask it, I mean, you still get asked to do things, so you should always accept them and take it on. Keep you on your toes. Yeah, keep you on, and it's good to mingle with them. It's interesting when you go to some of those camp-type things and some of the questions you're asked. And There's an event they have out at Central New South Wales. It's twice I've been the overjudge for the cattle section, and they get like 200 kids there from five different schools, and they have a, a set-up there that you do the beef cattle, you do um, judging... And then you do, they've got pigs there, they've got sheep and chooks and all sorts of things. It's a really good day for the schools. And then, um, so I, I've done it twice and then um, I was supposed to do it again this year, but I put, pushed it on to someone else. But yeah, I, when I'm, say there's 20 kids come in a class and you've got four bulls there and you've you A, B, C, D, and then they've got to pick them and then you judge them. And then in the end, a lot of them, you know, most people won't like talking in a microphone. So in the end, I just go, I sit them on the round yard on top rail, like a mob of galahs. They're all sitting up, 20 kids, boys and girls, anywhere from year 10 to year 12s, uh, from 10-year-olds to 16, 18-year-olds, sorry. And then the, um, I sit them up there and then I just go around and talk to them individually and I ask them questions like, yeah, what's your best footy team? What's your, what's your best sport? Anything to do with sports seems to get kids in. And that, and then um, just to try and get them to talk to you, and this, and I said, oh yeah, and then you say because a lot. Otherwise, if you get them in front of a microphone, they won't, they won't hardly say any words at all. Yep. And then yeah, so I open them up like that. So I have a lot of fun with the kids. I go around the whole twenty odd kids if there's there. I do that all day, and that sort of opens them up. And it, yeah, you just got to well, you know yourself. You're on a microphone all the time. It's something a lot of people don't like talking into microphones, but mm. yeah, you know, it's that. Yeah, it was really good. I like. Working with younger younger generation, you got to kind of just forget about it sometimes that it's there. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you just don't know because they, they were all worried about not getting the the cattle right in their first, second, third, and fourth. So you just take the pressure off them straight away. You ask some other questions. Yeah, it's really good. So on that on sport, who's your footy team? <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife's disgusted because I actually go for the Broncos. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> How's that? You... Well, I used to go for um. Manly before that, yeah, and I was up when we were showing at Brisbane one year, um, years ago. I was the Broncos probably only been playing probably four or five years, and I was lying on my show box. We have like a, a lot of people have show boxes in the aisles, and so I was just lying on that. It's a, it's a long one, like a coffin. It was. I was just lying on that, having a rest, probably about mid morning. Had my hat over my head, trying to close my eyes to keep the light out. The next minute, my hat was tilted up, and it was a big. TV camera right in my face, and there was a bloke called Kevin Waters. You know, the played for the Broncos. He was on the Footy Show back in those days, and he he started to interview me and stuff there. Then I would have only been probably oh, probably uh, mid thirties. Yeah. And he said, "What team do you go for?" And I said, "I think I might swap to the Broncos." <laughs> <laughs> so that was an interesting one. Yeah, that's how I do. Yep. Nothing like loyalty, is there? <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me for the next for the breed next next fifty years. Where do you see the opportunities and, and things moving? For the Simmental breed, I think if they just stay where they are at the moment, um, I think we'll get <clears throat> um, yeah just the um, the satisfaction really of the producing those good beef cattle and and um, and because you 
like I said before, you get paid on weight and the softness, and there's um, and you get you know, the heavier you are at a younger age, and if you can finish them, and I think there's a and there's a big future in um, in the beef industry, especially at the moment, because we've never seen in my lifetime prices like it is at the moment in across the board for sheep, cattle, pigs, chooks, or whatever. Um, yeah, and I think the simmies have got a big role to play play in the next fifty years for sure. And some advice to the young kids that are coming through. What would you what would you say to them about opportunities in the beef industry, in the Simi Association? What would be your advice to them? Oh, my advice would be, I can only from from my experience over the years when I was younger is just to get out and um, have a bit of a go and then um, ask questions and. As my father used to tell me, he said, if you do something properly, you'll get the benefits out of it. You, know, you do it properly. Um, and, uh, yeah, and if the kids, yeah, they're just, yeah, they've just got to get out and have a go, ask questions, and, and uh, don't be frightened to um, yeah, just overall just, um, yes, oh, just looking for another word to say. But, yeah, but anyway, that, 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 but I think if the kids are very keen and, and – um, but the trouble is at the moment, like financially it's hard to get – buy land and stuff, you've really got to either win the lotto. <laughs> mm, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, so it's it's pretty hard to get, because the land prices and everything, so much, a lot of money these days. Well, you, the first way, if keen, they're keen, you can start by leasing leasing land and then just working your way up and then, um, yeah, but there's a lot of passionate young people out there now wanting to get into the farming industry and and, and uh, especially the beef cattle industry, I think. As well, and then there's a lot of young people interested in sheep too, so it's good to see that people sort of relate to animals too. I think yeah, whether you've got a dog, a cat, or a cow, or a sheep, you, people seem to relate to those. And yeah, it's a and for your mentally thing, it's sort of yeah, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, they can, they can teach you a lot. Yeah, it, it's not cattle related, but uh, I was up the sheep shed before having a look, and there was. Um, this young fella showing the ram when he tipped the ram over, the ram was the same <laughs> same height as it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I don't know how he got it over. Yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're, when they're keen like that, it's even marvellous what they can do. Oh, strong yeah. little fella. They're, they're passionate, a lot of those young people. Yeah, it's good to see those, especially in that paraders competitions and things like that. You see the kids, there's some terrific paraders around there. That's, and that's, yeah, very passionate. Mm. No, it's um, it's certainly exciting, and I think you can see that from the centering right through the through to the sheds here and and back out on farm. So, yeah. Cookie, thanks for coming oh, on for a chat. It's been a great chat, and I hope some people might get a bit of benefit about what Cookie had to say. Beautiful, thanks, mate. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that chat. Cookie certainly is very excited about the youth coming through the Simmental breed, and I think his advice towards the end is pretty spot on. Next week, we're sitting down with John Richard, and John's background goes right back to the very early days. He's a a fascinating fella, and I can't wait to share this chat with you. So make sure you put next Friday in your diary. We look forward to joining you then. This podcast is sponsored by Simmental Australia. Unlock the potential in your herd and take it to the next level in performance. It's time to take your Simmental advantage.